0: Following is a production of Shark Flight Media. Shark Flight Media. Shark Flight,
1: Flight,
2: Flight Media. Now entering the nexus of geekery and guy world in three, two, one. Mark. Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again?
1: What's better than this?
2: Guys being dudes. This is the Dudes in Hyperspace Podcast.
0: Hey, kids, welcome back for another exciting edition of the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. I am your host, Ian J. Malone, going to be joined here in just a couple of minutes by my partners in crime, Rob Howell, Kevin Steverson. Also, got a special guest interview in the queue for tonight. Going to be talking a little NFL football. We're getting ready to kick things off with the season this Thursday. Full slate of games on Saturday and Sunday, or on Sunday, rather. And uh, just lots of great stuff to talk into, man. It's going to be a big year across the board. Fans are back, football's back. It's just a good time to be alive all right, I'm getting ahead of myself. So uh, that's coming down the pike. We've also got project updates on everything from Three Steps to Oblivion. Tons of news coming out of Dragon Con this weekend from New Mythology Press. Uh, Kevin's got new book projects coming out galore out of the Salvage Title universe. It's just a good time to be around us, man. I uh, want to say thanks, as always, to our presenting sponsor who makes all of that possible. That would, of course, be the one, the only Chris Kennedy Publishing. Doesn't matter what you're into, folks. Military sci fi, they got it. Space opera Zoom Zoom, they got it. Post apocalyptic, paranormal romance, urban fantasy, even stuff on the craft. If you fancy yourself as a writer, it is all available through Chris Kennedy Publishing, and of course you can find them online at chriskennedypublishing.com. Also, you may want to check them out on social media. and Facebook in particular, their groups are very popular. Just look for CKP, the Factory Floor, and CKP, 4HU, the Merc Guild. Uh, but again, you can get all of it from the website, chriskennedypublishing.com. Why? Because they are message-free sci-fi with a slice of fantasy. want to go ahead and bring in my guys, Rob and Kevin. How you boys doing? Did you have a good Labor Day?
1: I had a good one. I made a uh, pork loin for the sweetie, and we set up our new swing for the we got one of those swing chairs for the backyard.
0: Nice. What'd you do with the pork loin? Anything special? N- nothing huge.
1: Just nice to be around uh, my sweetie all weekend. Okay. Well,
0: well come on, man. We, we got to work on your vocabulary on that one, dude. Seriously. At, at least come at me with a brine or a spice rub recipe or something. You oh. can't be like, I cooked a pork loin. What'd you do? Oh, nothing. Come on, man. That's not sexy at all.
1: It wasn't sexy. I, I cooked it on the grill, and I, I honestly, I... They had a good special on some of the the pre-spiced ones, and I stuck some onion, wrapped it in onion, and uh, threw it on the grill and cooked it, and it came out brilliant. I mean, you know, when you can get when you can get meat at you know less than three dollars a pound or something like that these days, you get it, even if it isn't necessarily the most uh, culinary uh, example of culinary workmanship ever.
0: I hear you, Kevin. What's going on down in Georgia, man?
1: Oh, we, we listen. We got it together in the
3: country. Some friends of the family and, and friends. It was about a hundred of us gathered out on a farm. boy. Projector, projector on the wall. Watched the Georgia Clemson game. Had a whole hog, and
0: barbecue goat. Brunswick stew, gallons of it. Oh my God! You now just, see, Rob. Was... I hope you were taking notes through that exchange because that <sighs> is my mouth is watering sitting here in my chair in sunny Panama City, Florida. That's awesome.
3: <sighs> yeah, I managed to escape with a big old bowl of the uh, Brunswick stew. What was left over, so. It's uh,
0: yeah, yeah.
3: As soon as we get off this thing tonight, dinner.
0: <laughs> well, we got uh, college football actually on tap in our pod mail questions coming up later on tonight. Uh, as mentioned, we'll also wrap a little bit about the, the various projects and stuff we've got going on because we, we had quite a bit of news break on that front over the last week or two. But right now it's time to get back to the pigskin, man, and of the professional variety. Uh, that would, of course, be the National Football League. So we uh, went out, got ourselves a special guest expert, as we are wont to do on this particular program. He comes to us from the Right On Sports podcast, part of the Right On Network. He is uh, definitely a mind for this kind of stuff. I've listened to quite a bit of, uh, of his programming over there on that particular show. He would, of course, be Nick Gurley. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? Hanging in, man. Hanging in. We appreciate you coming on board and talking with us.
1: First of all, thanks again for coming on uh, board. So let's talk about you for a bit. Why don't you tell everybody here who all you are and how you got into the sports broadcasting business? So I, uh,
2: you know, just have a passion. That that was it. It started out as a passion, and it's always been a passion of mine. And, uh, you know, me and Kyle, the the owner operator of the ride on network kind of got together and they needed a third voice they kind of interviewed me a little bit and um i'm a i'm a salesman by trade so i have a way about <laughs> getting you to to think the same way as me and uh you know it may be the wrong opinion a lot of the times it is <laughs> but well uh, most of the time I, I can convince a few people to to think it's a good idea (laughs) say
0: at least you have one man there's a lot of sports talk now where people try and just play it right down the middle it's like no this is sports talk radio you're supposed to have an opinion even if it's the wrong opinion own it and stand by it you know oh
2: yeah oh yeah that's that's what it's all about i mean nobody knows what's going to happen in any sport so why not just share your stupid opinions with each other and y'all try to at the end of the season who can say who is closest to being right
1: Good point. Uh, so uh, tell me a little bit more about Ride On real quickly. Uh, tell me about that network.
2: You know, it's funny. We we started just to be a politics-free get-on. It's a bunch of friends just shooting whatever you want to talk about. I mean, it, we have things from, you know, wrestling. We have sports, obviously. We have uh, a nerd culture that we, we have different studios that we do things in. I mean, we are sharing things from – Really, anything that you can really think of. Actually, this weekend, we're actually going to Nashville, Tennessee to do a wrestling event. Uh, we're, oh, that's uh, cool. Commentating. Yeah, we're commentating, ring announcing and you know, just trying to, to get out there. And we're just a bunch of guys just talking about whatever you want to talk about. I mean, it's, you're not, you're not uh, limited by no means whatsoever. I mean, we don't cuss or anything like that a whole heck of a lot. But you know, we, whatever we talk about is whatever we want to talk about. No, no strings attached.
1: Sounds a lot like us, in fact. All right, so tell us what your favorite NFL team, and and how'd you get that way? So, you know, it's
2: funny. uh, I've been watching NFL for a long time. I don't necessarily have, like, this NFL team that I've watched my entire life. I mean, I think when I was born, I was born in the early 90s, so obviously Tampa Bay was the biggest team around that time that I could really remember. Um, But I I would say now, and the reason why is because my very first NFL game was the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Buffalo Bills for the worst wild card game ever. Yeah. <laughs> I think I recall I mean, that and, game. <laughs> yeah. And I was in nosebleed seats. They had just opened up more seating at the very top of the stadium. And I mean, you, they look like ants out there, but just the – the vibe, everything there was, was absolutely amazing. So I would say now the team that I follow the most, that I like and want everything to go well for, is the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Well, they certainly got an exciting time ahead with uh, Trevor Lawrence and some of the other picks that they got. Uh, are they the team you're most interested, to, you're most curious about? Or um, what teams do you find interesting?
2: I think they're an interesting team. I, I still think they're, they're still going to win five or six games. That's about it um yeah uh, the team that I think is the most interesting team is probably because coming off of last year is probably the Dallas Cowboys I absolutely they are my least favorite team and I know I'm going to get ripped apart when we get back to the studio and talk about this because we have some guys that are huge cow- Cowboys fans and I hate the Do Cowboys be, but matter of fact- oh are you
1: <laughs> yeah I grew up in Dallas area so I'm a huge Cowboys fan this I, is cannot, great. Yeah. I was I debating on whether I wanted to,
0: wanted to let my man know that he had just stepped on that particular landmine, but I just figured they'd get hey. to it naturally, you know?
2: Yeah, is that, uh, so I'm just, hey, I'm calling them the most, cur- I'm the most curious about them because I do feel that they have every player to be a top 10 defense, maybe even seven, five to seven, and a top five offense easily. I mean, is, Ezekiel Elliott looks like an absolute monster out there like he did his rookie year.
1: Yes, he does.
2: CeeDee Lamb's probably going to be one of, if not the best slot receiver this year, in my opinion. I think he is going to run all over the place. I mean, they have too many weapons, too many weapons to cover one-on-one. I mean, they're gonna that offense is going to be insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. They, if things go well, that team could be there at the end of it all. Right. But as we saw from last year, that gets hurt. If you're playing your sixth and seventh string offensive tackles, your third string guard and fourth string guard, and your center is the second string center, and you're playing your fourth string defensive tackles, then you start seeing uh, cracks. Any no team could handle that sort of thing. Uh, to Correct. Be honest. Um, Correct. Yeah, I don't NFL think is, any team
2: out there would have been able to, to, to handle that. I mean, no no yeah, team out there has players that are, that are that deep. On any yeah. side of the ball,
1: right, and so it is interesting. But I mean, the Cowboys have had good teams in the past and not lived up to expectations like last year. But there's so much about last year that was funky. I mean, how much did the Cowboys get the chance to learn a new system without you know the mini camps and whatnot? And right. Same true for other teams now with the full off season. Will that make a difference? Will Dan Quinn be better than um, you know they had last year because the defense just played awful? Wasn't yeah, silly. he really
2: doesn't have a choice there, does he?
1: <laughs> right. I mean, the defense was one of the most, the worst defenses in all time, uh, possibly the worst Cowboys defense of all time. Uh, looking at, at some stats. So yeah, it's a really interesting team for me as well.
0: Uh, Nick, I did want to take it back to the Jags for just a second because you're, okay. you're here in, in North Florida, Northwest Florida. I'm in Northwest Florida. We got a lot of listeners, uh, really, from the, the Jacksonville to the Florida Panhandle on. Uh, So, you know, Jags are very much front and center in in their sports consciousness. How do you think Urban Meyer is going to translate to the NFL? We've already seen that he's had his fair share of missteps, whether it's how he handled the players' union, COVID testing, roster management, um, who was the idiot that he brought in as the strength and conditioning trainer that they had to fire like four days later. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's already had some missteps. And that's not uncommon for college coaches coming to the NFL to hit some of those but when your name is Urban Meyer, you've already got some question marks around your decision-making process as it is. How's that going to stand right. in the National Football League?
2: So, I made a prediction when we talked about this on the Right On Sports podcast. And I made a predict- prediction that he wouldn't make it four seasons. And and I think that because he has a history of leaving in the middle of things. I'm a very big Gator fan. so. I mean, he left the the Florida Gators. I mean, it high and dry with nothing left, and then he goes to the Jaguars, and he's used to success. And you're not really going to see a whole lot of success from the Jacksonville Jaguars for at least two or three years.
0: So what you're saying is he's going to fake another heart attack, and then he'll he'll bail out and leave the rebuild <laughs> yeah. to somebody else. Basically. That's what I
2: think, and <laughs> and I don't believe that uh you know college coaches such as himself uh Nick Saban tried it. And those college coaches that have that much control over the team don't typically make it in the NFL because he's not exactly a player's coach no no no. people not. like him but he's it's my way or the highway if you don't like he's I mean you don't get vaccinated you're out I mean and that's not exactly what pro players want
0: yeah nope. I, I foresee about the same destiny for him in the NFL but uh. yeah
2: I, I doubt the fourth season I, I, he's probably either gonna make it to his fourth season and be out I doubt he sees five.
1: I doubt he makes it four. I think you're absolutely spot on with all you're talking about. What I think might very well happen, though, for, that's a good side of things for Jaguars fans. I think uh, Trevor Lawrence is the real deal, and I don't think Urban Meyer will ruin him, uh, as some college coaches might. And I think that even though Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars will not do particularly well, as you say, five wins is a pretty good guess uh, for this year, I think the Jaguars will come out of Urban Meyer with actually some potential because you'll still have Lawrence there and you'll have some other things and their ownership group looks like they're serious about making that into a into a quality team
0: well Shad Khan nobody can ever accuse him of not spending money on the Jaguars as an organization I mean they have tried to throw money at the problem that is that franchise for years they just throw it at the wrong stinking people you know So it is yep. what it is. As an aside, Rob, we should totally talk about trying to create some social media memes for New Mythology Press with Trevor Lawrence. For nobody, for anybody who doesn't know that reference, just Google Trevor Lawrence Elf, and you come up, we'll come up with plenty <laughs> of fantastic pictures of my man looking like Legolas from Lord of the Rings with all the hair, but I digress. So. He
1: does, yeah. especially when he does some of those hair flips. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Very
0: Pantene-worthy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Did y'all see him? Did y'all see him in the booth up at uh, the Georgia Clemson game?
0: Oh sure,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's not important. Did you see him afterwards when he honored his bet and put on Georgia colors? That's what's important here.
2: I did not.
3: Oh yeah, in the locker room. I did not room. see that. Oh. All you gotta do is Google it. Oh, he put it okay, on. Okay, I'll have to do hon- that.
2: I didn't see that. He honors
3: his bets. Uh, but listen, I, I was gonna say, uh, you know, four or five years when they boot that coach. Jacksonville's going to be really good because you got four years of top five draft picks. So, you know, that's going to be a good team. Assuming they
1: draft reasonably well, I think you're correct. Kevin. I think they, I mean, one thing about the NFL, we know that they really do try to get teams cycling up uh, as well as down. We'll get to that actually one of the questions later on. Uh, so let's talk about, we've talked about some players. We've talked about Urban Meyer too, of course. Let's talk about the player you're most curious about, whether it's someone like that coming off an injury or, Whatever the reason,
2: I, I think that Dak obviously is 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 very interesting, especially because it, I mean he's make or break Dallas' this season. So that it's very interesting, but I think my number one would be Saquon. If Saquon is, I mean, the Giants, I think are going to have a very good offense regardless if Saquon plays or not. Uh, but we haven't really seen Saquon. I mean, he came out. I mean, he has tree trunks for legs. He came out. I mean, out the out the hole. Just one of the best running backs in the league, and. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I think that this is going to be uh, like his contract year. I think this is the one that he's either going to get paid or that somebody's – I mean, he's just going to start falling under the radar. If you can't stay healthy, what are you going to do?
1: I think it probably means more to him than Dak. That's for sure. I mean, we know that if Dak – and this is the first real big injury I know of in his career. Uh, we know that Dak can produce uh, at the top right. level if he stays healthy.
2: Yep, top, top five, top seven quarterback.
1: Somewhere in that range, yep. and where will you know if Saquon is fully healthy? Will he still have that burst that he used to have that made him such a threat? Um, right. We don't actually know that.
2: No, we don't. And I and I feel like they've they've built that offense with Saquon, so they're banking on him being. Saquon they're banking on him being the rookie that was sensational but I mean he's very it's very curious I'm very curious to see how he plays this year this is going to be like I said I think this is going to be the make or break for Saquon uh same thing kind of the same for uh OBJ same thing
0: what's your take on Daniel Jones how do you think he's going to factor into all that
2: I like Daniel Jones I think he's a good quarterback I think I have a problem with drafting quarterbacks, and I know we just talked about Trevor Lawrence, but I have a problem with drafting quarterbacks and then they starting them starting immediately. Right? Uh, I mean, I don't feel like they. The NFL is totally different than college. No matter if you're going against Alabama every single week, like Clemson, is go, you know, Clemson's one of those teams up at the very top that play some of the best talent out there. So, I mean, I think that those, you know, Mac Jones stuff like that, they probably have more. They're probably set up better for uh starting immediately but there's something about the mentality that brings an nfl starting quarterback that you don't come out of college with
1: or rarely or rarely do the, the stats uh prove that
2: yeah and uh but i i think daniel jones I, I think anywhere else i think daniel jones would have already been one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league but i think this year daniel jones is going to do very well I'm not saying draft him in any of your fantasy teams. But right. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, I think he's going to have a great season this year. They, they picked up a lot of players that is going to make that offense pretty decent. And as long as Saquon stays healthy, I mean, he's got to dump. He, he dumps off to the running back a ton.
0: Mm. How do you think Aaron Rodgers and that whole saga is going to play out in Green Bay? I think a lot of people expect that he will get his wish to be out of there after this year. And so that they're going to give it one more, one more season together as a, as a marriage. How's that going to play out?
2: I think that he will be gone after this year, but I don't really see him putting on a different uniform at this point. It's I think the he... same
0: thing about Farf, man.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good point. And but is is Jordan Love ready? No, I don't think. I don't so. think so either.
3: It is a good point, and, and and look what happened with Tampa. I mean, you know, quarterback left New England, went to Tampa, and won a ring. So yeah,
2: it yeah. Can happen. So and and I'm not saying that he's. I mean, really, anywhere he goes, they're a Super Bowl contender. He's a younger Tom Brady, but probably throws—I mean—does throw the ball a heck of a lot better right now.
1: And he's still got a little bit more mobility than Brady does. Although Brady's movement inside the pocket is otherworldly.
2: Yeah, yeah, I—I I, I would put down Aaron Rodgers as the best scrambler, not—not not dual threat, but the best scrambling quarterback.
1: As someone who's seen him beat my Cowboys once or twice, I have to agree
2: yeah (laughs) while we're talking about players let me ask you this
3: real quick I don't mean to cut in on you Rob but what do you think about Julio Jones and will he do as much up in Tennessee as he did in Atlanta or will people finally see that Matt Ryan had a lot to do with that too because I don't think Matt Ryan gets the credit he deserves for the numbers he puts up
2: I don't think Matt Ryan gets the credit he deserves at all I mean I, I don't know if he's so much like accredited for all of what who Julio Jones is um, and, you know, I think we fall short on Julio Jones sometimes as well, based on, you know, everybody's talking about how, oh, he's been hurt. He's always hurt. He's always hurt, which, of course, he starts this year off with a, like a messed up hamstring or something. But I think he's going to have a good year. The only problem is, is that offense is not exactly something that you – you don't throw the ball a heck of a lot.
1: Yeah, but they might they might start doing it. They've got not just Jones, but they have A.J. Brown as well. A.J.
2: Brown, yeah.
3: Well, I, I just – I. I just see other receivers coming in Atlanta and they're starting to put up Julio Jones numbers, you know, and then, you know, next year is another receiver going to do it. And then next year, another receiver is going to do it. And it ain't Julio Jones every time. So, you know, the, the common denominator, there's Matt Ryan.
2: I mean, I love Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's a great quarterback. The only problem Ryan is Matt Ryan has no defense whatsoever. I think if you gave Matt Ryan 30 throws and he wasn't playing from behind every single game, Matt Ryan would still be a top five quarterback.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's keep it in the NFC South real quick. And, and this is more of an Ian question than it is a dudes in hyperspace question because Ian went to Florida State, not Florida. Mm. I'll, uh, I'll throw a takeout at you, and you can either shoot it down or you can maybe maybe find it in your heart to take your gator blinders off and, uh, and, and give me an honest eval on this. Jameis Winston, 2021 Comeback Player of the Year as a starter in New Orleans.
1: Yay or nay?
2: Yay. A hundred percent. I think he's actually going to have a great year this year. The only thing is I want to see what Michael Thomas does.
1: Yeah. And I will say if, if Dak plays what we think, Dak's going to be the comeback player of the year.
2: That's a good point too. Now I I would say over Jameis just because they're going to give the injury over just sitting the bench. So, but I, I actually, we did a little take on, uh, on coming into the season and I put Jameis Winston as being a dark horse for, pushing. I'm not I'm not saying he's going to win MVP, but I think he's going to push that group cuz he's going to throw a ton of yards. He's going to throw a ton of touchdowns. If he can keep those interceptions below 15, yeah. That that kid's going to have an amazing year
0: this year. The guy's the all-time franchise leader in in touchdowns and yards in Tampa Bay. Right. The franchise leader
1: Is he the franchise leader in interceptions? Uh,
0: That I don't know. (laughs) Vinny Testaverde might still hold that one, actually. I'd have to go back into the record books and look. But Vinny had given him a run. But, I mean,
1: that's always been his challenge, right? He's never been a good decision maker. He's always been overly aggressive. And while you do need to be somewhat aggressive, I can think of quite a few quarterbacks that uh, aren't good because they're not aggressive enough. He clearly takes too many chances. Uh, he does.
0: Well, it, you know, that that does tend to happen when you're asked to throw the ball 50, 55 times in a game to guys who were bagging groceries a month ago because your wide receiving core has been depleted and you have no running game and no offensive line to protect you. So you're constantly running for your life.
2: And if I could and if I could say this about him as well, is I don't think he's a great leader. I think that's the issue. I think he was a good leader at Florida State. And then I just don't think he really grew up. He grew up uh, – I don't think he really grew up in the, the first five, six years in Tampa.
0: Yeah. Well, I will say this, and then I'll, I'll drop the Jameis, uh, the Jameis talk because that's <laughs> just Florida State Homer talking. Um, <laughs> I, I, if, if you can't do it in New Orleans, you're not going to do it anywhere. You know, with with Sean Payton coaching you up in that offense with those tools around you, if you can't do it there, then just go ahead and bow out of the league. Go find something else to do with your career. Having said that, I mean, I I do believe the guy has grown up quite a bit. You haven't heard anything out of him on the negative end of things since 2017. That's four years ago now.
2: Yeah, I I think him sitting the bench was the best thing that will ever happen uh, for him in his career moving forward.
0: Taking less money to go to New Orleans rather than taking a paycheck to go to Pittsburgh, I think, was the smartest career move he ever made. And and I'll borrow his quote. You know, I mean, it's like going to quarterback school whenever you get to sit on a bench and learn from Sean Payton and sit in a film room and learn from Sean Payton. It's a great place with Drew Brees. (laughs) So anyway.
1: All right, so we're running low on time for you, Nick, and so I'm going to run through some questions pretty quickly. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing the NFL as an organization? Or what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the NFL as an organization? And what would you change about the NFL if you could?
2: Well, I, I think it's going to – I mean, obviously, this year it's going to be COVID. COVID. I mean, that's a pretty simple COVID. You know, I just hope we don't see as many cancellations. And I mean, although I did love to see that we got football seven days a week. That was great. But
1: That was great.
2: Yeah, I just, I, I just didn't know – I mean – that that's going to be the hardest thing that they're going to have to overcome. And I just don't want to see stuff like, was it the Ravens that had like half their roster was missing at one point. I mean, they had just, all of them had to sit out. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I just don't want to see that kind of stuff. So I think that's going to be the hardest part is keeping the, uh getting the vaccination rates up, which I mean, that's a political thing. I However you believe in vaccinations is up to you, but you know, I think it's pretty high in the NFL now. Right. I mean, they have a lot of, a lot of folks are getting it, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see exactly how all of that goes. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to have to be COVID. And what I would change is, I mean, I'm just tired of hearing Roger Goodell. I think it's time to get somebody else in there.
1: Yeah, I've been banging the drum for Amy Trask, but I have to admit, uh, Peyton Manning has been climbing my rankings as someone. I've been watching Peyton's places and, and he loves the NFL. Hard to put somebody better in there that really loves the NFL.
2: See that's what I think cuz right now I mean as the commissioner you have to like the owners as well as the players and understand that the players are also a business but they don't really treat them as a business they really have no power whatsoever you know they right. get cut from a team they lose all their money unless it's guaranteed right. money i mean that's the only sport that you sign a contract and none of it is guaranteed unless it states that it's guaranteed right it makes no sense i mean it's great when you're a fan of a team and you don't have to stick out somebody's 5 year hiatus or you know like a Le'Veon Bell bill or something like that you get to just find the crap out of him and then move on from him but um you know and then he goes to the jets and he sucks but uh
1: then he goes to the chiefs and says that he'll never play for the chiefs again because andy Reid's an awful coach much yeah. as i, I dislike the eagles i always thought andy reed was a hell of a coach
2: yeah I, it's funny that anyone would even say that and i think that that's why that fell on so many deaf ears it wasn't even funny I mean, that, that doesn't even make any sense. How, how, would, you, how would you say Andy Reid's a terrible coach when, I mean, he's legitimately coaching. I, I know he's got a good team over there, but.
1: They are so innovative. Yeah. They are so innovative.
2: Obviously, Tyreek Hill and, you know, Patrick Mahomes, they would be great anywhere. But the way that they use them is so much different than anything you've really ever seen. I think the closest I would have seen would at, at Florida would have been how we use Percy Harvin. But nobody ever had that guy in uh, in the NFL, not really. And now all of a yeah. sudden, Tyreek Hill can do anything.
1: And you look at a player like Nicole Hardman, who is nowhere near the quality of player of uh, Tyreek Hill, and yet um, you're still seeing players like him and others produce in that offense because they're just so yep. good at creating openings. Uh, yep. And it's a sh- it's a crying shame, by the way, that Eric uh, Bieniemy has not been uh, was not a coach this year.
2: Oh, I agree. I agree, but yeah, there's there's a lot to to really. I think it's more small things to change, but I mean, I think the major one get Goodell out of there. Somebody like Peyton Manning, that would be awesome. I mean, that would be great.
1: I think Amy Trask or Peyton Manning would be fantastic, and I trust both of them to care about the league and to right. to. And I don't trust Goodell with a, anything. No. All right, so we have to get to the you know the normal question here. Uh, talk to me about your playoff picks and who's going to be in the Super Bowl.
2: So, I think my playoff picks. So, I, I when we were reading the questions, you know, I, I think uh, you have three to five teams that normally fall out and three to five teams that kind of replace them. I, I actually think that you're only going to have three that fall out. And the three I think are going to fall out are the Bears, the Saints, and the Steelers. I just don't know if Big Ben has anything left in him to, to get the Steelers there anymore.
0: What's your hang up with the Saints?
2: I just don't think that the Saints, I just don't think they have enough. And I don't think, honestly, I don't think Michael Thomas is going to stay with the team.
0: Gotcha. I think Michael Thomas is going
2: to go. He's already already talked about how unhappy he is. I mean, and he's basically Antonio Brown five years ago. So that's my hangup with the Saints. Their best wide receiver doesn't even want to play for them.
1: All right, so who's winning it all?
2: Well, I think those three teams are going to be replaced with Miami, San Francisco, and the Cowboys.
1: I think that's quite likely. I th- uh, Miami's an interesting team, that's for sure. Be interest- um, there, There's a lot of potential there, and they have to do something soon or Flores is out.
2: Right, and, and, and I think that they're just – they're very young. They're a very scrappy team. I don't, I'm not saying they're going to make a run for it or anything like that, but um, I, I just think that they put themselves right there in it last year and they missed it by a game, and I think this year they're going to get over that hump. I just, and, you know, San Francisco – they had the same. San Fran and the Cowboys had all the same problems as as each other. Nothing but injuries. Yeah. So that defense is going to come back and be a top five defense, and the offense can. I think it's Trey Lance is going to surprise folks.
1: I think you're correct. I think Trey Lance. I, I also think they're going to be a little bit uh, innovative on how they use Lance and Garoppolo because I think Garoppolo doesn't. We talked about Matt Ryan not getting the credit. I think Garoppolo has been sort of. Hamstrung by bad luck and injuries at exactly the wrong time, uh, so I, I agree. A better quarterbacking, and, and I think Lance will be a great change of pace for him. So, who's in the Super Bowl? Uh
2: I, I think in the Super Bowl, I I hate to say it, but I I got to kind of stick to my guns still, and I think it's going to be the exact same thing as last year. And, and honestly, it might end up with the same result. Tampa Bay is going to come back with about the sturdiest defense as you can possibly have. I think Tom Brady's going to keep him in every single game. Uh, this year, they are, he already knows the playbook now, so he's not going to have that stumble out the gate that he did last year. And then unless the bills can come around and do something a little different this time, the chiefs are going to walk all over everybody again this year.
1: What do you think about the uh, Browns?
2: The Browns are interesting. I just don't know if they can really put, I think they have too many attitudes on their team. I think they have too many mouths to feed and a quarterback that tries to get it to everybody, but just really can't, especially if OBJ comes back.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with you on any of that, but they are an intriguing team because there's a lot of talent on that
2: team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they rightfully have two of the best running backs on the same team that would start for any team in the in the NFL. Uh, I mean, so you know, it's it's interesting to um, to look up and down their roster and their defense is 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 awesome as well. I just they they die out in the uh, at the very end of every single game. I just don't, I just don't, I don't believe in them. I just don't.
1: That's fair. They like the Cowboys in many ways that you were talking about earlier, in that the, the team has just done not done enough to earn your confidence.
2: Right, and I think it, a lot of their players come into the league with such high regards, and then they're getting beat out by fourth-rounders, you know? So it's like, you know, well, yeah, they have a lot of good talent on their team. Everybody's great, but nobody really plays as a team. You know, if you have a defensive end, that's not staying on his side and, and letting the linebacker get the tackle because he wants to tackle. That's the, my problem. I feel like they're just, they have all the talent in the world, but everybody wants to be the best player on their team. And they just, you can't play in the NFL like that.
1: Well, that's Bill Belichick's, you know, game plan in a nutshell, do your job. And it seems to work for Belichick. Okay.
2: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And that, I, I actually wanted to ask you something. Um, so, who do you guys think is going to win Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year?
1: Mm, that's a toughie. I'm a little biased, so I'm going to say it's uh, Micah Parsons is one of them. I will say that it's probably, um, it's hard to, to go against Trevor Lawrence. One, I think he's in a better position to succeed than Zach Wilson. Mac Jones has a chance uh, because of his, he is the perfect quarterback in the perfect system for that particular team. Uh, I would also look at uh, Najee Harris. They're going to use the hell out of him in Pittsburgh, so I wouldn't surprise me if he just racks up tons of yards, even if even if they're empty. Because I I agree with you, the Pittsburghs. There's a lot of weaknesses on Pittsburgh, and I don't think they've shored up the foundation. Right. Um, maybe maybe Trey Lance, but only because I think you're right about uh, San Francisco and it may be that San Francisco does really well in that combination of him and Garoppolo. And at the end of it all, it may be that they just look at at the whole team thing, but I would still go with with Lawrence first.
2: Yeah, I agree. To me, Lawrence is number two. I think Mac Jones is going to bring it home this year. I I think uh, he is in a perfect system. Lawrence has a lot to learn and Mac Jones had the Patriots playbook memorized in like two weeks. Yeah. So I I just think that Mac Jones is going to win offensive. And I agree with you on defensive. I think Michael Parsons is going to beat all all these uh, great cornerbacks for uh, defensive rookie of the year.
1: I've been really impressed by him so far.
0: Yeah. I I will throw in with the Mac Jones on the exact same points that you guys just made. And I know that doesn't make for great sports talk radio, but it is what it (laughs) is. I mean, listen, the guy, the, the the big selling point on him was his football IQ coming out of Bama that um, you know that, that while he was not maybe as physically gifted as some of the other guys who came out, what you got was between the ears. And you pair that with a guy like Belichick in a system that's tried and true. McDaniels is still the OC up there. They know how to tailor an offense around the people that they have. And you put a QB under center who really knows how to manage and how to minimize mistakes, at least as much as a rookie can... And that would seem to me to be a very big recipe for success. I am not like you guys. I'm not terribly high on Trey Lance. I would not have taken that pick at three if I was San Fran.
2: So I don't think I would have taken him. I I don't think I would have taken him either. Yeah, I I don't – when we were sitting at – we did a whole draft coverage, and I don't believe I would have taken him at number three. I knew they were going to. That's just because of what all the quote-unquote experts are saying. But, uh, you know, I think seeing him throughout the preseason and. I mean, they 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 have the head coach. Um, the mind that, that, he, that he's got is going to – that fits Trey Lance. Sure. And I think Trey it Lance does. is going to have a great year. The only thing I think that is going to keep him away from rookie of the year is going to be – I just don't think he's going to have enough snaps because I don't think he's going to start until, you know, week seven or eight if he gets to actually be the starter, the bona fide starter at all, you know, depending on how it works as the one-two punch.
0: Yep, wholly agree. All right, man. Well, listen, Nick Gurley, we really appreciate you coming on down. Man, you've already overstayed your allotment of time because you're an awesome charitable guy that way. So uh, <laughs> thanks for coming and hanging out. We'll definitely do this again sometime soon. Folks, go check out Nick and Kyle and the gang over at the Right On Sports uh, podcast. You know, whatever sport that you're into, from uh, from football of the pro or the college variety to basketball to hockey, they cover it all over on that show. If you're also a wrestling fan, the wrestling show is uh, is a treat to catch. Uh, like he said earlier, they're going to be heading to Nashville covering that Impact event here live in uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, and then for the nerd culture folks, they've got that covered too. So lots of fun stuff happening over at Ride On Network. Uh, Nick, where can the folks find you guys on all of that? And especially where can they find all of your live programming, which is going to be starting here in a couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, so our, our live programming is going to be all found on the Ride On Network on YouTube. And we're also, we also go live on Facebook on the Ride On Sports Show. We kind of changed it away from the podcast because we wanted to try to do the show. And it's going to be uh, starting in two weeks, starting back up in two weeks at 9 a.m. every Sunday.
0: Okay, that's 9 a.m. Eastern or Central time? Uh, Central. Okay, so 10 a.m. for all of our Eastern folks. Now, are you guys also going to be simulcasting that after the fact on podcast form, or is this all going to be a video show?
2: Yes. Yes. Yes, it, it will. We'll also be cutting the audio and doing just the uh, the podcast on anywhere. We'll you could stream it anywhere um, from Spotify, Apple Podcast, any anywhere that you can get podcasts.
0: Awesome, man. Well, Nick Gurley, you are the man. Tell Kyle and the gang we said hello. We'll get together and do beers sometime soon. But uh, in the meantime, thanks for coming by and wrapping some NFL with us, man. We appreciate
2: it. Hey, thank you very much. It was awesome. <laughs>
0: Alright, that's going to bring us down to our halftime segment, which is where we shed a little bit of light on what's been happening lately around the world of Chris Kennedy Publishing. As always, we got new releases, we got new stuff in audio, we got book deals of the week. It's just stuff happening everywhere, man. So Rob, I'll start with you. Uh, what do we got coming out in the new release department this week?
1: We've got Mermanon's Inc. Herbicide by the one, the only Jamie Ibison Our very own Canadian who uh, has been writing a ton of stuff for uh, CKP, a ton of great stuff. In the 27th century, uh, war is the continuation of business by other means. Megacorporations are scattered across dozens of colonized systems. They hire disposable contractors for whatever needs to be done. Paragon Savage Genetics is one such megacorp, they are the undisputed masters and are now cloning animal hybrid genie sicarios for rent or sale. Selena Ocelot Linares is their latest product. And La Republica del Escobar's government is Paragon Savages' biggest client. As the corrupt regime careens closer and closer to a civil war, Ocelot and her fellow genies are contracted to work for Presidente Vasquez. When the situation grows too hot, though, Rival Megacorp Apex Energy hires Myrmidons, Inc. to extract their VIPs and demolish the facilities. And if the Myrmidons can hit Paragon Savage on the side and extract a little pay data, well, that's just business, and business is good.
0: All right, Kevin, what do we got in the way of reviews? Uh, William says it's an enjoyable story story
3: with uh, Buku twists and plot angles. Selena Ocelot Linares is a genetically modified assassin and is genuinely likable. Megacorps, who have basically taken over the world, are not. Sci fi fans, buy and read this book. Now, Brenda says this story is a wonderful look in the life of someone who goes from being property and, is, and owning nothing to all of a sudden being rescued, joining the Myrmidons, and finding out that she is actually worth something with a life to look forward to. It's full of twists, turns, and deceptions. I almost couldn't put it down. Now, Thomas says, Jamie's books and characters are well-developed, and the action is great. I have to say, though, I think this is his best book yet. The storyline is really different, and the man is action over the top. Pick this book up and enjoy a take on the future involving hybrid animals, humans, and cyborgs. You will not be sorry.
0: (laughs) Hybrid animal, humans, and cyborgs. That's never a bad way to go. (laughs) Uh, in pre-release land, we got more good stuff from the 4-HU for you guys this week. Pre-releases are, of course, uh, opportunities for you to go buy the book straight from the publisher. So you get a little bit of a sneak peek at it before it goes out to the world on Amazon. Again, just go to ChrisKennedyPublishing.com, click on the books, and it's right there. And it will be available for this week until Friday when it goes live to the world on Amazon to, uh, to everybody else. But anyway, this week we have got Mess With the Bull from Casey Moore's. Uh, This is the eighth book in the Rise of the Peacemaker saga, and apparently there's a lot of stuff ratcheting up in this one, guys. Uh, There are only two more books after this one in the Rise of the Peacemaker series and really things are starting to build to a crescendo in this story. So a lot of good reviews on this one so far from what we're hearing, and Casey Moore's just always a great read. So Mess With the Bulls, again, that's the eighth book in The Rise of the Peacemaker Saga, so go check that out from the Four Horsemen universe. New out in audio this week, uh, we have kind of staying in that same world, Prodigal Son by Matt Novotny and Mark Stallings. That is book five in The Rise of the Peacemaker Saga, so uh, again, you can go check that out. That won't arrive until September 21st on Audible, iBooks, etc., but you can go pre-order your copy now. And again, that is Prodigal Son by Matt Novotny and Mark Stallings. And then finally, the deal of the week is the one that started it all for the Peacemakers in the 4-HU, and that would be Peacemaker by Kevin Eikenberry. Uh, This is one of the staple books in the 4-HU, guys. I mean, really, if you were ever looking for a great one to go plug into this universe fresh, Peacemaker, Story of Jessica Francis, is a great way to go. And for right now, starting Wednesday, which uh, we'll be right about when this podcast drops, all the way through the weekend, you can get it for less than a buck. You can't beat it. Peacemaker from Kevin Eikenberry. So uh, that's going to take us back on down to our second segment, which is kind of an open segment for us, if you will, where everybody kind of goes round robin, talks a little bit about what they've got going on. Rob, you had some big stuff coming out of DragonCon this week. For those who missed it on social media, um, why don't you brief us on what's going on in the world out there?
1: Not so much Dragon con because I wasn't actually able to attend, but yeah, there was a big announcement. Um, been working on a project with Quincy Allen, uh, Mark Stowling, Marie Whitaker and Todd Fonestock, who are all great writers, and we're going to be creating or we are creating a shared universe called The Eldros Legacy, and it will, the first book will come out in December, uh, December 7th, *Hive in the Unkillable by Todd Fonestock, and you'll be able to get some more things uh, from that world as a bunch of those stories are in Talons and Talismans 2, which is coming out in November. By shared world, we're thinking, along the lines of the Four Horsemen universe, only swords and sorcery fantasy. And we are anticipating releasing a book in that universe, one a month, starting in December, and pretty much going, well, as long as we can. Much like the Four Horsemen universe is up to 70 novels, we've set that as our inspiration, and we're going to do our best to do something along those lines uh, in the fantasy world. So that's really exciting for us. Uh, I'm also just going to lead into Kevin a little bit. I'm really excited about, uh, let's see here, today's the 7th. So in six days, It Takes All Kinds comes out, and you get to have my story in there, entitled Careful With That Axe, Eugene." <laughs> I'm curious how many people will get the 230 or so uh, band and title references I snuck into that story. So we'll see how that goes.
0: Kevin, tons of stuff happening in salvage this month man what's happening like what brief folks what are we what are we looking forward to wow um we got the
3: uh, anthology coming out on the 13th and, and you have a story in that. as matter of fact I think your story leads the book off and then uh, Rob has a great story in there and it's you know got all the, the pop culture references it's, it's amazing and uh and then you know a few days later Casey and his own I have a, a novel coming out salvage mother uh, that that we wrote together and then one month later the second part of the anthologies comes out, another anthology drops, and then Matt Novotny has a novel that follows four days after that one. So there's four salvage books coming out um, in the next two months, and that'll put us up to 16 in the universe. Wow. Um, And then I I have seen a a cover... uh, it's probably going to be the final cover for another book by another author, and you know, once we get the finals on that, so you know, there's also another one in the can, uh, ready to come out too. So that'll put it at 17. So nice, not, yeah, not been, bad for a little less than three years. Heck three yeah, years. man!
0: I've been following your boy Nick on social media. He appears to be putting some more words in some pages. So that's uh, that's going to be. Yeah, nice Yeah, he, to he see. was more than halfway
3: done with that. So nice. Yeah, that's going to be. Yeah, he writes. He writes really well. So.
0: Way well,
1: we, to go, Kevin. That sounds really exciting. I'm looking forward to reading a bunch of that myself.
0: Heck, yeah. Well, we had some big news in the Four Horseman universe and that Chris Kennedy and I wrapped up uh, Three Steps to Oblivion. So it is officially in the can. Uh, holy cow. Talk about overcoming adversity, man. Between For those of you who don't follow Chris on social media, you should really do that if for no other reason than to hear all of his stories about traveling. Uh, he, and, mm. uh, he and his lovely wife had a trip to Canada about a week ago or two that uh, – did not go so well, <laughs> so that took a few days away from them from writing. Uh, we had to move down to Florida, that totally sliced into my writing schedule. But uh, we we managed to get through it all through doctor's visits and Canadian border law enforcement, and you know this stuff. Cats and dogs living together, man, it's mass hysteria. <laughs> but we got it done. It's out it's in the can, and it is slated for a Black Friday release. So. Listen, I'll be straight up honest with you guys I'm, I'm not gonna give any spoilers on this podcast, but we made a lot of promises in the Street survivors. and for those who who read that book, in particular the epilogue, you know we left you with some very big stuff on the horizon. And now that it's all said and done and it's it's off to edit, i'm I'm really proud of the way this one came out. Chris is too, a lot of reveals in this one, a lot of reveals. So uh, hopefully you guys are gonna dig it and again that'll be happening on Black Friday.
1: You got mail.
0: Alrighty, thanks to everybody who sent us messages on this little thing we call the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. Just a quick recap for those who want to know how you can do that. It's very simple. Just go find us on social media. You can follow the Shark Flight Media Facebook or Twitter pages at Shark Flight and tweet us, comment at us, whatever you'd like to do there. We're also very active in the CKP, the Factory Floor, and 4HU Merc Guild groups. So if you got a question, something you ever wanted to ask us, can be anything you want. Can be sports-related, can be book-related, can be any of that stuff then that is where you can find us, and we are happy to answer those questions and always enjoy getting them. So uh, all righty, let's see here. Let me pull up said questions. Uh, question number one comes to us from Mike. A lot of big winners and some very a lot of big winners and some even bigger losers this past weekend in college football. Now that the dust has settled on week one of the season, what say you guys? Are you prepared to walk back some of your predictions in the preseason preview? or are you still feeling confident in your picks? Uh, Kevin, I'll let you take lead on that, man. You're the SEC guy. Georgia got a big win over the weekend, as you predicted they will. Um, but, man, I'm going to tell you, that offense under JT Daniels, it didn't exactly set the world on fire. How are you feeling there?
3: I'm feeling great because, we, you know, we allowed two yards rushing uh, against our defense. We knew we had a great defense going in. Here's the other thing. People are looking at Georgia's offense going, what happened? Oh, what happened? Uh, we went against a number five defense in the country, basically. So, you had a battle of defenses, and we just happen to have the better one. So, when, when Georgia scores a bunch of points everywhere else, that part of it will be
0: forgotten. But Georgia defense, they're not going anywhere. And yeah. it's going to be tough to score on them. It uh, looked like Bama might have a shot to do it, though. Rob, what say you, man? Week one of college football is of the books. You got any thoughts?
1: Well, I'm going to just say that I, I think um, what you have is Georgia. I've got two things. On the Georgia-Clemson game, you have a great Georgia defense. Against honestly, a guy really starting his first year as a starter. I realize he played some previously. I'm not terribly surprised. I thought Clemson would win, but I think if the two play again later, it's going to be a completely different game later on in the year. You know, that's kind of BS because that's always true. Every college, every football team grows and changes throughout the season. Right. But I think um, I think the ceiling for Clemson is is much different from where they're starting as opposed to georgia i think georgia georgia proved their defense is fantastic though. right no doubt about it if their offense really does have to step up i will say this though the game i really enjoyed the most watching this weekend and this is going to surprise you is the northern iowa iowa state game i watched it for one reason only and i was basically paying attention to one player only and that player is trevor penning he is the tackle for He is an offensive tackle, left tackle, for Northern Iowa. Last year, they had an offensive tackle, Spencer Brown, go in the draft, and it's going to happen again. This Penning kid may go in the first round, and I think he's got something. He dominated when I saw him play. Just was fantastic. So I think Penning is going to be a heck of a player, and I really enjoyed watching um, kid like that playing up against uh, an in-state rival nice
0: yeah i'll uh, kind of steering it back toward clemson and georgia I, I i mean i'm for the most part on board with you guys the one alarm i would raise is with clemson listen they are used to having mobile quarterbacks all right they are used to having guys that can run around and make things happen on the fly it started with taj boyd then you get to sean watson and then it goes to trevor lawrence it was made abundantly clear that dj is not that guy on uh, on saturday night he is it's not to say that he's got you know concrete block shoes or anything like i saw one guy on on twitter say that's a little extreme but it's not far off the mark right if you're looking for a guy that's got a capability and that can get out and make things happen uh when the play starts to deteriorate i don't know that he's that guy and that is such an integral part of uh of tony elliott's offense that I don't know what they're going to be able to do without that. I think that has the potential to to really limit them in a way that they haven't seen in quite a long time. So I'm going to be watching unless, to see how that plays out.
3: Unless he does it for the next
0: 11 games, he just couldn't do it against that Georgia defense. Well, No, he just wasn't that fast. Like, I'm pretty sure I could outrun that guy. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. Um, other things I, I noticed over the weekend – Dear sweet Moses Bryce Young, have yourself a game, young man. Uh, way to way to come out of the block swinging, Miami fans and one in particular who I'm sure is probably going to be listening to this podcast. Sorry, buddy. Don't don't know what to tell you other than just pour yourself a fresh one and <laughs> hope for better next week, cause uh, that was that was pretty brutal. Um, as an aside, I just left the Raleigh Durham area and there's a reason why ACC fans think Miami is a joke, but uh, but Bama. Man, I, I just don't, they, looks like they could be poised to do it again. Georgia offense, you better pick it up. All right, next question comes to us from Kathy. It was great to see a lot of the CKP authors roaming the halls at Dragon Con this past weekend. Had a chance to catch up and chat with a few. Uh, speaking of cons, you guys, are you planning on attending any more conventions this year? And if so, which ones? Rob, you're a pretty active con guy. You doing any more cons this
1: year? Well, there's FactoryCon, which is coming up in October. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, there were other cons I had intended to go to, but things seem to be shifting as we find everything happens in this weird world sure. that we live in. Uh, following that will be 20 books to 50K in Vegas in November. Uh, I'm currently scheduled to go to ChataCon in January, but i you know, got to see what's going on you know, that, that far down the road. Uh, and we'll see you about some other stuff. But the big one that I'm really looking forward to is going to be uh, the Factory Con. Mark Stallings and Jamie Ibsen are actually going to fly down here to Kansas City. And we're going to road trip out to the convention and have a great time at the convention. Do a bunch of uh, not just have a great time, but we're going to ride a ton and uh, we're gonna do the whole road trip thing to be pretty epic i have to say nice oh one other thing i want to emphasize uh, mention about dragon con i <laughs> do have a highlight about dragon con even though i wasn't there all right i have to give casey moore's props casey moore's was there wearing a queen elizabeth's own forester's uniform nice <laughs> to have a, a guy cosplay <laughs> one of your characters so i gotta throw some some love out to casey for that
0: nice kevin you doing any more cons this year or are you hoping to do more cons at, this year?
3: I'm going to, I'm going to go to factory con uh, in the outer banks. We got that one coming up and I will be at 20 books to 50 K and I'm going to do superstars, um, you know, in the in winter uh, in Colorado. And I think that's about it, uh, you know, until, you know, until spring hits and, and then, then we got fantasy and, and uh, Liberty con coming up next year. It's just a lot of the restrictions and, and a lot of that kind of thing. And, and, if there's going to be so many restrictions, you know, I feel it's it's better for me to spend that time writing, um, you know, because I, you know, I knocked a lot off my plate this summer, but I got I more to do. Sure. So it's just, it's just, just makes sense um, business-wise to do that. Um, yeah, we all love to say we write just to be writing, and I, I want to get my stories out there, but it's also a business. And if you don't, as a writer, if you don't treat it as a business also, you're not going to be more than a hobbyist. So, you know, sometimes you just have to make those decisions.
0: Yep. I was, uh, I was slated to be at factory con. Sadly, I'm not going to make that one this year. The move down to Florida has pretty well wiped out all of the annual leave time that I have from my day job. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not one of the cool kids that gets to just write full time and that be my income. Uh, I do have the day job. So running a little low on AL time there. So I will not be doing any more cons. I am slated, however, to be a fantasy and Liberty Con next year. And maybe we'll even slip another one or two in there just depending on how things unfold. But, next uh, year's
3: factory con,
0: yeah, oh yeah, no, I'll definitely plan on being at next year's factory con. That's uh, that's a fun one, man. That is a good crew that attends yeah. that one. Uh, between the all of the writers and all of the fans that show up at that one, and plus it's a freaking Outer Banks, man. I mean, you, you can't go wrong <laughs> with that. Good lord, I wrote a whole book about that area. Go Colonies Lost, right. go check it out. All righty. Next question comes to us from let's see here, Nate. A uh, rumor on Twitter is that NASCAR is considering moving the Clash next year from Daytona to a temporary track around the L.A. Coliseum to kick off the 2022 season. Is this true, and if so, what are your thoughts? I'm the only NASCAR fan here, so I'll go ahead and field that one. Um, that is the rumor. The Athletic is reporting that that's almost a done deal. Um, number one, logistically, I don't see how they're going to pull it off. It's, uh, I mean, we're in September They've already started selling tickets to the Clash in Daytona for 2022. So how does that work? Are you just going to refund all that? Um, the other thing I would say is that why? I mean, from everything I can read about it, it's basically going to be a replica of Bowman Gray Stadium in North Carolina, which is an old school diehard track. That's that's old school NASCAR root stuff right there. Why not just go run a Bowman Gray? Why why you got to do the temporary track thing in in LA? And the biggest point that I you know that I would have on this is. The last race they had in that area, Fontana, a couple of years ago, they drew 25,000 fans. People in Los Angeles don't care about NASCAR. They are never going to care about NASCAR. Maybe you can make a splash with a gimmicky race like this and, and, you know, some people come out to see the circus, all right, and, and look at the monkeys throw poop at each other, okay? And then they're bored with it and then they leave and they're not going to be fans, so, you know, my thoughts on it are is I think it's a dumbass idea. I think it's stupid. And I think it's quite frankly indicative of a lot of the stuff that NASCAR leadership is implementing right now. You know, we talked earlier about how we're ready for Roger Goodell to just go ahead and get out of the NFL. I could pretty well say the same at this point about Steve Phelps and O'Donnell and all the guys who are running NASCAR. Um, you know, when, when they came in after the Brian France era, there was all this talk about how, you know, we're sorry. You know, we, we believe that NASCAR got away from its brand and away from its fan base. And the time has come to, to start to refind ourselves again and, and to get back to who we are as an entity and as a sport. And it was great and it was music to our ears as fans. And we've seen none of that. So, you know, kind of tying two worlds together here, I I don't feel unlike Florida State after Willie Taggart, guy who said great things when he came through the door, delivered on absolutely none of it. So uh, this is just this is just one more misstep for my money and a long line of them from NASCAR leadership right now. I'll watch it. I'm not walking away from the sport. I still root for guys like Corey LaJoy, Tommy Joe Martins, Ricky Stenhouse, you know, the, the smaller guys. But I, I, I'm worried about the direction of where this sport is going. I, I think they got some real tough times coming ahead if they don't get a bit smarter about where they're heading with this sport. All right, last question comes to us from Lisa. Hey, fellas, admittedly, I was one of the people who helped break the internet when the new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer came out. I got to tell you, it looks pretty good. Did you guys see the trailer? And if so, what did you think about the movie that is to come? Uh, I'm kind of the comic book guy, so I'll I'll take lead on this. Uh, look good, uh, you know. I'm on record as saying Tom Holland's one of the best casting choices Marvel ever made. He has been a fantastic Spider-Man. I mean. Almost every bit as good as Tobey Maguire was back in the day. He has really owned that role. Uh, his, his delivery as Parker is just so much fun to watch. So uh, this is one of the few Marvel properties left that I, I really care about and that I will happily go see. That said, Marvel's out of damn ideas. All right? I mean, they just are. I mean, the, the line in the trailer about, we've never seen anything like the multiverse. Yes, you have. You've seen it in the comics for years. You also just watched it in the CW Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover event like two years ago. There's also a Flash movie that's being made right now about the multiverse. Multiverse is something everybody knows about. So I just, I think they're tired. We said on this very podcast after Avengers Endgame that how do you how do you one-up that? And I, I just don't think that Marvel can. But I hope for the best because I really do enjoy the Spider-Man movies and I like that cast. And I, I want to see them land the plane. I really do, and I'm rooting for them. So, uh, guys, are you going to weigh in on any of this. I know neither of you are big comic fans, but Spider Man is a pretty I, big uh, deal.
3: I yeah I am, and I you know I'm, and I've got my eye more and more on movie stuff just for reasons. <laughs> I've been watching that kind of thing. I think I, I I'm a Doctor Strange fan, so I really like the fact that you know he's in this with the Spider Man. I think it's going to be good. Um, but speaking of Marvel movies, you guys saw that with Shang Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings. You know it opened this weekend. I did see that that Um, opened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That was the old The Legend of Kung Fu, and and that's a Marvel character. At seventy one point four million is what it opened at.
0: Yeah, no, it didn't. And it hasn't.
3: Yeah, and and it hasn't uh, opened in China yet. You know, because they're sort of limiting when they open and how many they open and all that because they want movies made in China, that kind of thing. But but besides that, seventy one point four million is pretty strong for a Marvel movie on on a holiday weekend. Sure, no doubt. Rob,
1: I'll be honest, I. I'm not much of a movie guy anymore. I hardly ever go. I haven't seen the trailer. Uh, I will say I'm much more interested in the movie that Kevin was talking about than I am Spider-Man. I'll be, you know, a lot of those movies, and I'm not trying to to yuck on anybody's preferences. It's not my thing. And that we keep doing the same stories with those, I'd really like to see them be creative. do the same thing over and over again like you mentioned Yep. the avengers end, end game that whole story yep. arc getting up to that that was really strong and after that they've been trying to recapture the magic but they've basically done the job now they need to step away and i don't yeah. know if they know how to do that
0: yep no i wholly agree but i'm rooting for it like i said i'm uh i'm a spider man guy i've always been a big fan of that franchise and of that character Um, so really, really hope they land the plane, but all right, that's going to take us down to the flag. That would be the white flag. And I have it right here. White flag. White flag is of course the segment where we tell readers what's on our radar. For me, it's very simple reading. Now, Now that I'm done with three steps to oblivion, I've pretty much told everybody around me, I'm taking a little bit of a hiatus because the Malone family has a lot of stuff to work on from selling a house to buying a new house to lots of other life stuff that I have to put front and center for me right now. But on the upshot, that's really freeing me up to go read more, which is something I have not been able to really do a lot of the last couple of months, and I hate that. So I got all kinds of stuff on on my Audible queue ready to roll. I just started the Dave Mustaine uh, autobiography here a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of days ago, rather. Um, I've got another one on... Um, uh, Winston Churchill, that uh, deals specifically with his time as Prime Minister during the Blitz, which uh, really looked cool. Um, also, I've Been Meaning to Tap of Minds and Men. That is a book from Casey Azell. A lot of times when, I, when I've heard Chris Kennedy interviewed, he talks about um, you know some of his, he always lists off his, his favorite books that he's put out from CKP and ones that have really caught his eye over the years. And there's obviously been a lot of them. But that's one that always seems to get brought up. And I've never had a chance to read any of Casey's stuff solo. Um, so really excited to crack that one. A very interesting storyline from, from the time period that it's set in uh, to just the whole nature of using psychics in war. It just sounded cool. So looking forward to cracking that one. Got a couple of other music bios in the in the queue that I'm looking forward to checking out. And I'm sure there'll be another uh, space epic in there somewhere and probably a Western. So good time to be a reader. Um, other stuff I'm looking forward to NASCAR playoffs are in full swing. Now college football's back. we got the NFL kicking off. So uh, I'm, I, it's a, it's a good time to be in my world right now, man. Rob, what you got on the queue, man?
1: Well, I have to say, first of all, let's touch on mine today. Man, that's a really good book. It's uh, it's one I I stumbled across even sort of before I was anywhere close to the CKP group, and I love it. It's fantastic. Uh, World War Two, uh, psychic, the Eighth Air Force. Really good stuff, and so I definitely suggest that. What I'm reading, uh, mostly what I'm reading right now is stuff to edit. I'm in the midst of editing. Uh, House Between Worlds, which is John R. Osborne's next Milesian Accords, and I'm really, really digging it. And uh, that'll be out to the editor late this week, I think. Um, Talons and Talismans did all those stories, and, and the first one is basically in the can, well, almost in the can, and the second one is going to go to the editor late this week, next early next week, too. So a lot of what I've been reading is, is that sort of stuff. But there's one other thing I've been reading a lot of lately, uh, and that is more of the Randall Garrett. I keep talking about Randall Garrett as one of the best short story authors that uh, I've, I've ever found. And I talk about one particular collection that has some of his best stuff, like Time Fuse, which is a terrifying book in, in many ways. A terrifying story in many ways. It's also very short. Uh, but I've been reading some of his other stuff, and it's just so good. And you forget how good some of these writers were You read. The Gordon R. Dixon, the Keith LaMures, and the Heinleins, and the Asimovs, and the, I'm rereading Andre Norton's Witch World right now. Go back and read the classics, guys. They're classics for a reason. If you haven't read them in a while, go back and read them because you'll find something new and just and so strong.
0: Kevin, how about you, man, what you looking forward to in the next couple of weeks? Well, uh, next week um,
3: I'm scheduled to get back with the uh, CEO of the uh, Hideout Pictures, which is you know they're doing the they work they. They finished this, the script um, outlines and, you know, the actual script. So I'm going to find out and see where we're at on that. I, I couldn't talk to him this week because you may have seen the trailers running around everywhere uh, of a movie called Old Henry, and it's a Western. And he's overseas in Italy right now because it's at a big film festival, and it's it's getting all kinds of rave reviews. And, you know, they don't just do sci-fi. They don't just do fantasy. I mean, they, they do Westerns, too. So, uh, But I'm supposed to get with him next week and just get an update and see where we're at on all that um, as far as production because it's in pre-production now so um and as far as what I'm reading is you know, I've cracked it a little bit but I want to finish it is The Myrmidons by Jamie Ibsen. you know that book just came out last Friday so you know I want to finish that book and then other than that it's just just writing away I've got the third fantasy novel I need to finish and, and uh, I've talked to Kevin Eikenberry about another redacted book in the Four Horsemen universe so just staying busy yeah
1: you do need to finish that book I'm, I'm waiting for it man Yeah, give me the next one baby <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alrighty, fellas. Well, thanks again to Nick Gurley for coming on the show. That is, of course, of the Right on Sports podcast. You guys go check them out. They're going to have some awesome live content happening here in a couple of weeks. Thanks also to our presenting sponsor. That would be Chris Kennedy Publishing. Doesn't matter what you're into, folks. SF, Space Opera, Paranormal Romance, Urban Fantasy, they got it all at ChrisKennedyPublishing.com So be sure you go check those out as well. Uh, One last thing. We mention this about every show because it's important y'all, and that is that if you like this show, leave it some stars. If you're following it on youtube subscribe click it like it share it lets people know we're out here man same thing with apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. if it'll let you leave stars and reviews we really appreciate it when you guys do that so go forth and do that coming up next time a little birdie tells me all this Casey Azell talk could mean a special guest interview hint hint wink wink nudge nudge gonna be a good one until then we'll see you guys next time right here on the dudes in hyperspace podcast see ya